I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Podcast like it. Just podcast like it. Podcast like it's 1999. Welcome to Podcast Like It's 1999. Uh, so we're going to do another sort of two-parter episode, you know, those kind where we do two different things that we mush together. So uh, the first half is with Meg Masters. She is a used to be a reporter for E! Uh, and TV Line. She's now at Netflix in publicity. Uh, and she came on to talk about... Uh, the Love Bug, an episode where everyone gets sick because there's like a pandemic in the dorms. It's very timely. After that, uh, I have my interview with Amanda Foreman, who plays Megan on Felicity. Uh, she's amazing. And uh, it was an absolute blast to, to get to talk to her about Megan and um, and sort of the, Megan's journey, but also all of her work with J.J. Abrams in the past and, and perhaps in the future. Uh, so it was a really great episode. So stick around for that after we talk with Meg. Uh, welcome to podcast like it's 1999. I'm your host Phil Iskov, and with us today for Felicity Fridays, we have Meg Masters, a former critic reporter at E and TV Line before moving to Netflix and publicity. Uh, and she is here to talk to us about episode 206, The Love Bug, which feels very appropriate for the world that we live in right now. Um, anything about uh, pandemics? Uh, but but before we get to that, um, where were you in 1999, and uh, and how did Felicity come into your life? Well, thank you for having me. Um, it is, I, being here. I almost wore a mask. I felt like it was appropriate today <laughs> for this episode. Um, Indeed. yeah, in 99, I was 14. Um, so middle school, I think maybe freshman year. Um, 
And I was pretty much just watching anything on the WB. I was uh, living my best life through Felicity and <laughs> Roswell and Buffy and um, not Dawson's. Weirdly, not, not Dawson's. Okay. I was not allowed to watch Dawson's Creek. There was a line. Um, it makes no sense. It was truly from the first episode. Uh, my mom saw it. I did watch it. And Joey and Dawson sleeping in a bed together. Uh, was apparently something that would be a bad influence on me. And I would think I could sleep in a bed with my guy friends. But, you know, Melrose Place was playing anytime we were around, too. So it just it was a strange, yeah. <laughs> strange, strange. But. I mean, I guess maybe, maybe it was an age thing, too. They were younger. I mean, Felicity, obviously, they're older. But Buffy, I mean, whatever. Buffy had models. I, like, Buffy. Oh, I mean, you slept with someone in Buffy and you lost your soul. So there was, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, strange messages, but I did watch Felicity. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So did you, um, did you watch the whole thing? Were you like yes. a lot, were you watching it live? Yes. So do, you have, do you have thoughts on, well, here's the thing. So I just, I, let's just go right at this because I really want to hear your thoughts on this. I know that you're team Ben in this <laughs> equation. So I, I, and, and I don't mean to suggest that there's an allegiance. I know that obviously in previous episodes, I've, I have said that I'm more team Noel because if I'm being honest, I'm more like Noel. So yeah. that's neither here nor there. But um, I do feel like we've had some people on that, that, that sort of expound on, on the Ben thing. And I'd, I'd like to hear your thoughts on sort of why, you feel like Ben is her forever person. I mean, I made a joke to you about this before doing this, but I feel like it speaks a lot to who I was at the time and maybe what I valued in myself or guys. But um, so I have rewatched Felicity a few times in my life. So I watched it live when I was 13, 14 on. And then I think it was when I moved to LA. So around like 2009, 10, I rewatched the first few seasons again. So that was obviously a very different time in my life. And then the past few days getting ready for this. Um, I maintain my, my team Ben stance through all of those rewatches, <laughs> but that doesn't mean I don't love Noel so much. And I think last night rewatching this episode in particular. So I watched last week's with um, Ruby and, and Noel again, and then this one, and then the, the following episode. And like my heart is with Noel. Like he is just the most lovely now in this age. I'm like, Oh, who wouldn't want that glorious, sweet angel puppy man in your life. But I just think I identified with the way Felicity felt about Ben. Like I truly, my relationship with the show very much speaks to my relationship with Ben, which is I wanted to go to college in New York. I, you know, I'm from California. I, had an unrequited love in high school and he maybe came around a little bit toward the end of high school before we all went away. And he's obviously very cute and he smile talks and he's just like, he just, uh, he, I am telling you, I hope you watch the show differently. Now that I've said that you will never see a scene with Ben, no matter how dramatic or devastating. He does without it, talk a lot. Yeah. There's a, there's a grin on his face. He cannot. And I think it's a Scott yeah. Speedman thing more than anything, but, um, I, I, I tend to agree. I think he, I see the best in people and I, I live my life through a very empathetic lens to a fault. And I think that Ben, he was always his own worst enemy. And I don't think anything he did was ever malicious. And I think that he really did love her. Um, and it just took him a while to get there. But I am personally glad she ended up with Ben twice. And I will stand firm in that. <laughs> in in multiple realities. <laughs> yes. So, I mean, it obviously was meant to be. I, I mean, I'll, I'll say this. I, 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 don't, I don't hate Ben. Uh, yeah. As much as I might think that he's 
Um, maybe not the sharpest tool in the shed sometimes. I don't hate him. Um, I, and I would agree with you that, and this is a testament to the show, that, and I talked a little bit about this with um, with Rena Mamoon in the in the premiere of season two and, and with Karina a little bit in the second episode of mm-hmm. just sort of the the forcing of not just Ben, but Felicity as well of growing and, and, and becoming better people. So that in in theory, they could end up together that they needed to sort of have their time apart in order to find their way back to each other. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a, I think that's a lovely notion. And I I think that they do it quite well. Um, You know, I, I think the bigger question with a show that takes place at this time in your life where you're in college and you're trying to sort of find yourself the idea of finding the love of your life in college seems perhaps not as plausible as maybe this show would like to lead you to believe. True. Um, <laughs> I'm sure it happens. Um, but uh, uh, Yeah, I, I heard yeah. you and Rebecca were talking about this in last week's episode. And I, I agree that like in present day television and entertainment and storytelling, I certainly don't think that should be the message, nor should it be like the crux of any, anything. Um, nor is it reality, nor was it when we watched Felicity back in the day. But I just don't think by the end of Felicity that it would have been satisfying to anybody to not have her choose one lane. And they built the entire show, which is also kind of crazy. As much as I love the show, it's truly like there were so many guys. And I mean, we're going to talk about David in this episode. She had other loves, but like even in these episodes, she's sitting around a table with Noel, like making little eyes as they eat cereal or loving it. Just, it was never, it was never not one of these two guys. And yeah. again, I very much identified with that as a <laughs> similarly aged young gal in college. So I get it. I mean, I think that the, the show that I always seem to, that my brain seems to go towards, and, and they're not particularly similar shows, but Sex and the City was a show as well that I felt like built a lot of sort of straw men for mm-hmm. Carrie to ultimately dispose of yeah. to end up with Big in the end. Um, and, and I feel like that did somewhat of a disservice to her character. I don't think that it's the same show as Felicity. I think they're structured completely. They're very, very different shows. Mm-hmm. But my brain kind of goes there towards your sort of, what you were talking about, which is there's no way to end Felicity without her picking one of these guys. And let's be real. It was always going to be Ben. Um, he's yes. the impetus of the show. I mean, it was always <laughs> going to be Ben, right? Like she moved to New York for Ben. Like there yeah. was no way it wasn't going to be him. Um, and, and I do think not to belabor the point, but I do think that they did a great job of building Ben's character to a place that by the end of the show, it felt like he was worthy of her. Mm-hmm. Um, that was maybe my biggest issue with Ben for, about two seasons, if I'm being completely frank, which is that he just didn't seem like he was good enough for her. Yeah. She's just very smart and, and a very emotionally sophisticated person. Yeah. And he's not for those no. first two seasons anyway. So but it was like, it's such, it's idealized love and yeah. young love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she was totally. never going to see that no matter how many times he basically slapped her across the face with it. It was just, <laughs> I, I mean, truly he was so yeah. terrible to her. Um, but then Noel, on the other hand, Noel was always like too much there in it, I think. Yeah. And so it was this, it for her, it definitely allowed and her to push and pull. No, yeah. not at all. Like but Noel makes them, very I sweet. mean, yes, very sweet. We talked about the fugue. He made some choices that were poor, yes. uh, and, 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 and acted petty and made, you know, that this is, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then Noel, and then Noel's just like, sort of, it feels like he's just chasing Tyra Banks for two seasons, but I guess that's <laughs> what. It was. Um, so I, I don't know. But uh, but I do agree with you that, that Ben is, um, he's a good guy. 
mm-hmm. and and he he means well. And I would say I would actually say that about every character on the show. It's one of the reasons that I think the show uh, is so rewatchable, and especially now with the world on fire, uh, it, it feels like so nice to watch a show with people having the best of intentions or or writers writing characters with the best of intentions which mm-hmm. i think is really nice yeah. um so you watched it back in 99 did you feel like it i mean it sounds like it did have an impact on you in terms of yes how you it, led your life it <laughs> i don't want to like oversell it i will say something yeah, yeah, that yeah. Yeah. something that i tried to follow more which again i'm really burying my soul here it was a like a how to lose a guy in 10 days was also something that, not the guy part of it, but like the being yes. in New York, being in journalism, like living this young, you know, cool life. But, um, no, it, it did. And I, I was talking to my husband yesterday about this. I think it was weird. I had friends, like my, my best friend was the, the Dawson's Creek person. And I would, Buffy is my number one way above Felicity. And like, we both had these, like Pacey was her guy. Angel was my guy. Like we were different roads, but I didn't know anybody else that watched Felicity. Yep. It was truly just me and probably my mom or my sister or something. And I think I, it's the field that I've like gotten into now on, on both sides of it is I, I love television. I'm in television. I, I loved critiquing it. And I love being on the other side and working in the more creative side of it is it was, it felt like prestige television, even back then. It felt so much more elevated than even Buffy, but at the end of the day, and I don't know if it was the college setting, but just what, like the theme song and the everything, it just, it feels like an adult show, even though it's centered on, you know, 18, 19 year olds being in college. And um, it's slow and it's like soothing, even when it's dramatic. And I mean, it's, half of that is just Carrie Russell's voice and longing <laughs> looks and glances and Scott Speedman's the same, but with a little grin. I don't know. I just, it always felt really elevated to me. And I think, um, I think that that really like enhanced the viewing thing too, but I had nobody to speak to about it back in the day. So I was like, <laughs> okay, Buffy again, let's do this. But uh, yeah, Felicia did it. It really, I think it did impact me probably more than I even realized back then, but now I'm looking uh-huh. back, it does. It it a hundred percent affected me for sure, especially the, you know the type of television that I you know that that I was hoping to to someday make. But it's funny you talk about how it ele- it feels elevated because I was talking with um I think it was Allison Akel when we did our episode a few weeks ago about normal people mm-hmm. and how I saw a lot of felicity in normal people. You know, the, as you said, sort of those pregnant pauses, mm-hmm. uh, really sitting in moments and allowing sort of, I mean. Normal people is a lot more about mental health and it's got, you know, a lot more sort of headier issues that it's dealing with. But uh, but it does feel like I'm hoping it seems like streaming has allowed this resurgence of quality television about young people. Mm-hmm. You know, really, you know, Netflix is obviously doing a lot of it, you know, Hulu and what have you. But it just feels like I'm hoping that that's kind of the renaissance that we're heading into. And it does feel like Felicity was ahead of the curve on that. Um, and, you know... It does feel like, you know, the internet, you know, 99, basically kids stop watching television, mm-hmm. linear television. Um, so it's it's interesting to see how Felicity was sort of like the, 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 the crest of the wave and also kind of it never really happened in a weird yeah. way. Yeah, yeah, um, that's true. So it's, it is, it's interesting to see this resurgence. It's, I, I hope that there's more of it. Um, I mean, I'm certainly developing a show that, that takes place in this universe. So I hope that we see more shows like that. Um, 
But uh, it's also interesting to think about a 14-year-old Meg watching this show <laughs> and how, well, I mean, like that's, you're like right in the heart of your adolescence at that point. Yeah. And you're watching a show about someone who's on the other side of their adolescence and dealing with sort of quarter life, a little bit more of a quarter life crisis, if you will. Um, did that, how did that impact you in terms of being, you know, a, a teenager watching it? Well, it's funny because, yes, we were, if if I'm looking at Felicity's age and the age of those kids and then myself, you know, I was just starting high school. She was just starting college. So it wasn't the same time in my life. But I definitely related to her, the human being, and probably sure. what I, you know, wanted out of my own life and wanted out of my own relationships with people. And I think it, 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 it was this, again, it, it was like this idealized version of what my life might be in four years. And I... I just, it, it shaped what I wanted out of the college experience. It shaped where I wanted to go to college. It shaped how, um, I, I think truly I'm, like I said, it's like empathy forward with me and, you know, I'm a sensitive person and I just seeing someone like that on, on television, I think also really shaped like the way that Felicity was written wasn't always, especially in the early seasons, like she probably wasn't the strongest seeming person and she made some like, you know, mistake. She wasn't super self-assured, but, um, I just related to that. And I, I felt like it was different than what I was seeing. I think at the same time, like, again, Buffy's my favorite, but it was nothing like Buffy and I didn't relate okay. to Buffy at all. It was like, yeah, she's awesome. But I, I, that wasn't me. I wasn't Joey Potter. I wasn't, uh, Jen Lindley and I wasn't, you know, <laughs> seventh heaven kids. It was just like, it just, it was this, yeah, sure, sure. I kind of, maybe I saw myself a little bit, um, for good or bad, um, again, and looking back at who she was. And I think I, I'm, I look back and think I'm happy that that was out there for kids. And to your point, I, I hope that your show gets made. I don't know much about it, but I've heard you talk a little bit about it over the past few episodes. And I, I think that's missing. And I work at Netflix where we have a ton of, you know, this isn't YA, but like YA or, or younger adult facing content. And, I think we do a really good job of it, but I also, I look at, um, you know, other networks and things that are out there and it's not that like kids operate at a way different pace now and things are different and just social media in general. And I, you know, Felicity goes and makes a payphone call in one of these episodes at a date. Like it's, <laughs> it's a different world, but also just like, so she's doing what we do now, which is like, you're having a terrible time. You run to the bathroom to text your friend. Like, it's relatable still. And I, I just, I think if we could maybe, you know, don't have to go back in time, but if we can hearken back to that in some of the, the programming, I think it'd be good. Cause sure. not all kids are TikTok stars. And I sound like an 80 year old woman saying that, <laughs> but I do feel that old right now. And I, I think this is a good, like, this is a, a time capsule in a way, but it's also, um, I think representative of something that might be missing in programming right now that would be good for kids like me. I completely agree with you. I, I think that um, there's a couple of things you said there that I that I want to piggyback on. The, the first is I weirdly think that this pandemic is a bit of a gift in the sense that it's forced everyone to slow down. Mm-hmm. It's forced everyone to take stock of what's important in their lives, how they communicate with people, how they continue to stay connected with other people. Um, and and I mean, yes, we're seeing still seeing a, a shit ton of TikTok videos and that's all fine and good. But I do think that generationally, um, and I'm going to sound like I'm 100 years old when I say this, but I just do feel like 
um, the younger generation right now maybe isn't sort of taking stock of things as much. Like they're burning through things so quickly. And then on a television yeah. side, we burn through plot so fast because we're so afraid of losing people's attention. Um, and, and especially shows that are aimed at a younger generation where there's this constant fear they're going to change the channel or they're not going to watch the rest of the episode or whatever it is. You know, the binge model uh, is built in that idea of like, how can we ingest as much content as humanly possible as quickly as possible? Yeah. Um, so it's interesting to watch a show like this, to your point, where, you know, you know, even the show that I'm that, that I'm developing takes place in 97. And there's a reason for that, which is, I think that the technology elements really do hinder some of the abilities to write. And, you know, not that I'm a fan of nostalgia porn, necessarily, because I don't think that that's the healthiest thing. But <laughs> it's just interesting to sort of see us all kind of trying to grapple with all the stuff that's going on in the world around us, but also tell good stories filled with three dimensional characters. And, and this show does that really beautifully. So. Yeah, no, and it, it is, I love hearing that. And again, I think more, I hope more shows like that are made. I really do want to see something like that. And I, I think I work at a place where it's all, you know, we don't promote the binging, but yes, that is the, the model does, is designed sure. for that, certainly. Sure. And some titles are incredible. I work on Dead to Me and like, mm-hmm. I would sit and savor that forever, but also you can't not continue, yeah. you know, to watch totally. that. Yeah. But I think of, you know, season two of uh, Buffy becoming part one. And I'm like, I remember going and waiting in the lunch line in middle school the next day. And like, I I hadn't seen it yet because I had a softball game that night. My friend came up and told me what happened. And I was like, oh my God. And like, I had to go home and watch the VHS. And then you have to wait the next week and, you know, flip through the TV guide and we'll never get through to that again. But I do think there is yeah. something to at least you know, remembering what that felt like designing programs that might emulate that a little bit. Um, and yeah, Felicity was definitely that for me, though also way older and more mature and (laughs) aspirational. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas, absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. So in this particular episode, um, I'm just going to give a brief synopsis for the people that haven't watched it. When Megan gets mono, Felicity bunks with Nolan and Elena and faces an awkward situation when he asks her to keep their past secret relationship, their past relationship a secret from Ruby, who later comes to Felicity for advice on birth control. Uh, meanwhile, Felicity frets over David's failure to become more intimate and Ben's determined to win over Maggie. Uh, the Love Bug aired on November 7th, 1999. It was written by Paul Guyot and J.J. Abrams and was directed by Lawrence Trilling, past and future guest. Um, I I really enjoyed this episode. I don't love David. Um, no. <laughs> he's, 
he's he's real boring and 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 just not like uh, I, I get what they were trying to do with him um you know someone uh, perhaps a little bit more intellectual and, and a little bit um i don't know snobbier i guess i'm yeah. not really sure what you know they also have the same haircut which also just freaks me out in every scene they're together <laughs> i forgot <laughs> so i didn't I even just, notice that it's very it's, true it's so weird. Yeah, I agree. And the whole the way it like, and I haven't continued watching as big of a fan as I am. I don't always remember like the the intricacies of these shows. And I, it was so weird the way her like teacher kind of forced it on her. And I thought maybe something uh, does come uh, of that. I don't remember, but I just, the whole thing was weird. And they really are building it as though like, she's being resistant. And if she just, you know, gives in, maybe he won't be a B-lister and he'll be like a person. And I just, I never bought into it. I will say this, and this will, this will span all the relationships in this episode. I do remember because I was such a diehard Ben and Felicity person growing up, mm-hmm. it took me a lifetime to enjoy people like Terry Polo, <laughs> Lisa Edelstein, Amy Smart, even though Amy Smart was on the Noel side, didn't really like her at the time. Um, David, I don't know, whatever, David. But I just, yeah. I, I, in watching this back, I'm like, oh, I, okay. It was okay. The Maggie thing was okay. Like, David yeah. was harmless, but he was kind of an asshole, but he was whatever. I think he did genuinely yeah. care about her. But I, um, yeah, just rewatching, I'm like, oh, yep. Remember that well. You were real dull. And I don't know why this was. <laughs> I was yeah. No, <laughs> I to- I totally hear you on the um, and and is it's the case when any show has great casting and this show, as I've argued in many previous episodes, I think it's the best love triangle personally mm-hmm. that's ever been done on television. Yeah, um, love triangles are incredibly hard to do, and this one is so effective that to your point, you you resist her being with anyone else, you resist either of them being with anybody else, which. As a writer thinking about that, it gives me chills because it's like, that sounds awful. Like you can't do anything. You're just like boxed in. And it's, you know, so as writer, as a writer, I look at David and I look at Ruby and I look at Maggie and it's like, these are all completely fair, totally fine, good obstacles to create more tension. Mm -hmm. And yet you immediately hate all of them. Oh yeah. Like, and it's, it's just, it's kind of impossible not to. Yeah. Um, I love Megan with the voodoo doll in the cold open. Um, Unbelievable. We have Amanda, Amanda Foreman uh, is in it. Uh, I did an interview with her, which will be paired with this episode and she was lovely and amazing. And I, I honestly, Megan is just the best. I just love her. It, she's it's brilliant. I just, she's so funny. The way they developed that character. I'm so curious. Cause I haven't, um, I've listened to your interviews about the episodes, but I haven't listened to the interviews with like the cast talking about their mm-hmm. experience. I get the vibe because I was at ATX when they reunited a few sure. years ago and stuff. I get the vibe that they all look back fondly at the experience and enjoyed it. I mean, is that what, like Megan, what, what does Amanda say about her experience as Megan? Just you know, Amanda it? was, she was friends with JJ and, and Matt Reeves um, and her appearance, which is basically the only way that it was seen as the roommate in the pilot was really kind of just a, well, we don't know if we're going to do anything with this character. We're just going to kind of let you in because you're a friend and we all just want to hang out together and do this, whatever. Um, and she was just so thrilled to see them not just keep growing the character, but just give her 
more interesting things to do. I mean, mm -hmm. she really is unbelievably funny and she's a great punchline for so much of, of the show. But yeah. um, her relationship with Sean that happens, you know, she's friends with Greg Gronberg still. And, and um, that was really lovely for the two of them to be able to kind of really get something meatier to do together. Yeah. Um, yeah, she's nothing but lovely things to say about, about the character and about her relationship with JJ. She's on Alias as well. And, and she yeah. was in Star Trek. Like it's, it's 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 obviously a, a, a you know a very important relationship to her, um, but it it also just feels like this in this episode in particular, she's going big <laughs> because it's such a crazy. I mean, she gets mono and yeah, she starts to have mono symptoms that don't correlate with mono, <laughs> but that's neither here nor there. Do any of them have mono in the end? Like, I, don't, I don't know. I don't by know. the beginning There's... of the next one, they say it wasn't. So I just. <laughs> Yeah. Safe, yeah, I think that's I think that's a little bit of retconning when they're just like this. Whatever we did with this disease in the previous episode is clearly not mono, so we yeah. should probably just unring that bell. But um, she's great. I love. I don't understand why she sleeps with Carl, but sure, sure. Um, I do like her line when she's like, "He's like we had sex." She's like, "Oh, is that what that was?" <laughs> Which is amazing. Um, her delivery. It's like, uh, yeah. I mean, she's she's the best. She is so good. She's so good in this one too. And she does, she really gets to, she really gets to like sink her teeth into stuff. Like from the meeting in the beginning of the episode, just about it that mm -hmm. sets up the mono of it all. I mean, she's just everything. It's like acerbic and witty and the delivery is never not a hundred percent. And just turn Felicity. I forgot like them as co RA. It just <laughs> so good. So, so good. Every Every one of their RA meetings is fantastic because yeah. Megan doesn't want to be there and doesn't give a shit about any of these students. So uh, it's it's fantastic. Um, so I, I, what are your thoughts on Felicity's hair at this point? Because at this point, it's kind of grown on me a little bit. And maybe it's just uh, I've just been exposed to it too long. But it does feel like she kind of – I know that everyone lost their minds about it. Um, did you feel – how did you feel about it when it happened when you were 14? I mean, the you and Karina talked about the actual haircutting scene and the feet and all of that. So t get that out of here because I that's too much. I, it was weird, but it was a beautiful sequence otherwise and really interesting. And I was again, I was fourteen or thirteen maybe at the time. It didn't it didn't hit for me the way that it hit for the world, which I don't even think the viewer the viewership was it that high on this show that it really was the world or did it just become like a phenomenon? I mean, I think it was in its first season, it was a big show. Ugh, I mean, I don't know I, what I love in the that. scheme of things, but you know, just feel like that wouldn't happen today. But anyway, I just, that's incredible. Um, yeah. anyway, I didn't mind the hair. No, I mean, does, does Carrie Russell with her amazing flowy curly locks? Is that like my dream? Hi. Yeah, it is. <laughs> um, I didn't, I, she has, she could carry anything. I mean, she's I incredible and I didn't mind it. I liked it as it got a little bit longer and I just, I thought it was fun to kind of then watch it. Um, yes. I was reminded this episode or maybe the next one loved it with a headband. It was quite a cute <laughs> look and it differentiated her from David. <laughs> it just like it does. It, it separates her from David, thankfully, which is a good thing. Um, I, I yeah. think she, I, I agree with you. I, I personally don't, totally understand why everyone went as crazy as they did. Um, but I also know that, and I don't say this with any derision, obviously, but I know that, you know, women's hair is a big deal, right? Mm -hmm. Like how they, how they wear it, what they do with it. It's, and, and, and I understand emotionally what they were going for, which is she wanted to drastically change her life. Mm -hmm. um, and she did. 
Uh, and I think she she's Carrie Russell. I mean, she could whatever. It doesn't matter. Her she yeah. looks gorgeous all the time. Yeah. Um, so at this point, Felicity is pondering to Sally why David hasn't kissed her yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something that's sort of weighing heavy on her mind. Uh, I do like when we when I interviewed Amy Smart, she talked about how um, Ruby being written out to do a movie <clears throat> was because she had to go do road trip. Yeah. So it, it literally coincided with that. I would argue, and I'd be curious, I'll never know, but had she not left to go do road trip, would she have become a regular on the show and would she have stayed on? Um, I don't know. I love that. I, I, I heard you say that last week too. And again, in rewatching these, I didn't in the moment love anybody that came in outside of that little triangle, but God, she just fit in so well. And she like the, the yeah. moment where they're talking about it and everyone's kind mm-hmm. of giving her advice and they're keeping all on the outside. It was a great dynamic. And I think she would have been truly incredible. And she was just so, so earnest and kind. So and I just, um, I forgot how much I actually did really love them together. And then how heartbreaking what comes next is um, yeah. <laughs> pretty rough. But um, I, yeah. I believe that. I, I feel like it's got to be one of those things like a Walton Goggins on Justified or even, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. Aaron Paul on Breaking Bad, like where maybe the long-term plan wasn't to have them around or it was just like, or Megan and Amanda on the show. Um, she just was... I mean, she just like popped off the screen. She was amazing. Yeah. I think she, I have to imagine they wanted her around. Yeah. I mean, and, and as someone who, you know, has obviously been in writer's rooms, you know, when you write a new character onto the show, more times than not, it's usually for one episode. Sometimes it could be for three or four, but generally speaking, it's a short term solution to something, mm-hmm. you know, it's to create conflict and then it's to, to get them off the show. But if they really work, as you just cited with two significant examples yeah they can turn into you know the, the, a spine of the show um but sometimes things get in the way and and I, I i'm not suggesting that she pissed anybody off by doing road trip but i do imagine that it might have been you know she did have a burgeoning film career and it's quite possible that they were just like someone said like shit or get off the pot she's mm-hmm. either gonna be on the show as a series regular and you want her forever or She's going to go and do other things. Yeah. Um, so it is what it is. But uh, I did love the two of them together. And this episode really sort of, it's funny, rewatching this episode, I found myself kind of surprised by um, how much actually happens within the course of this one episode. Yeah. Like I was sort of surprised that the conflict that comes out of, so they go on a double date and the conflict that, which is ridiculous. Looks fun. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so they go on a double date to uh, to uh, Epstein Bar because mm-hmm. uh, they only have one place that they go to. <laughs> um, and uh, they go on a double date and Noel and Felicity are at, are in the booth and Felicity has an eyelash and he grabs the eyelash off of her, which is, I mean, <laughs> saying it out loud is ridiculous, but it works on television. Yeah. Um, and, he, and he just tells her to make a wish and David and Ruby witness this intimate moment between them and then Noel kisses Ruby and calls her Felicity. When I tell you I screamed, I did not remember that. I remembered as it was unplaying or like it was unfolding in front yeah. of me. I remembered the eyelash and I remembered like Ruby like staring yeah. across the room. But oh my God, him saying Felicity when he was kissing. And also just like they were still in the bar, like just kind of like standing off to the side. It got way too intense too quickly that he was that I locked agree. at the moment. Um, I get it. Like I just, 
I don't know. But it also is such an example of what I was saying, which is it never mattered. They they never let anybody get involved enough with these outside people to be invested enough as much as you loved Ruby in the moment, because Noel literally is sitting there at the booth. Like their, their respective couples like get up and go to the bar five feet away. And all of a sudden they're lost in each other's eyes, like making wishes and rubbing faces. And just like, how were we ever not to just think it's Noel or it's Ben and who is David and who is Ruby? And I don't know. I just, I, I will, totally agree with you. I have to say though, yes, they were, they were like, you know, lost in each other's eyes a little bit, but I don't know that I bought like Ruby also like looking over quickly and thinking that much into that moment. I, I didn't think they were selling that it was like such a deep romantic moment that she was capturing but yeah. I didn't think it matched her reaction I guess but I, you know. I agree with that totally I think Ruby is younger yeah. um, I actually believe David's reaction more than Ruby's yeah. David having a couple years on Ruby and getting out of a stupid relationship of his own what a story <laughs> What what, the, the info dump of his relationship that he has, I was just like, wait, what, what's happening? He what, he flew somewhere and then she flew to Paris to break up with him. And what is he, Max, 21 years old? The whole thing Maximum. is maybe. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot. So, a lot of life. But all, <laughs> but all that being said, there's a part of me that's just like, I sort of understood David being maybe a little bit more guarded and being a little bit more sort of whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but that being said, Noel says Felicity to her while kissing ruby she flips out they admit to the fact that they had a past all of this happens in the span of like 10 minutes at the bar um and then by the end of the episode they've both mended that bridge yes i was surprised they didn't hold on to that through to the next episode yeah just would have given you more you know just more gas moving forward but um but they kind of round the whole story off which was a little surprising to me um I loved it. I in watching it because I thought um, it's. I've been watching Schitt's Creek for the first time, which whew, what a what an experience! Just a joy of my sure, life. Sure, um, sure. But I find myself every episode talking about like they will do what you just said in a scene. We're on like a traditional sitcom. <laughs> it will be like a setup in the first you know act, mm-hmm. and then it's like uh oh, the hijinks ensues, and then we get to the end, and it's finally you know resolved. But I, they don't do that. They do that in like one moment in Schitt's Creek. And I kind of felt like that in this, like this felt like him saying Felicity, him kissing Ruby and doing that in that moment. I thought that would, I didn't remember that they just wrapped it up so quickly. Um, I liked that. I thought Ruby handled it really well. I I get you're younger and you have like a heightened emotional reaction in the moment. And then you still like this cute guy and you want to like date him and he's older and he's sweet to you. David... I will disagree a little bit with you. Like, yes, his response was mature. I just didn't like, who is he to tell Felicity that she can't like, he literally is just judging her because she's had two boyfriends in the span of his like breakup to Felicity. Like that's a, it's a total judgment. It's a very strange. She's a young girl and none of these relationships were even that serious. Like, sorry, you got super involved with your person who flew to Paris to break up with you and marry your best friend or whatever. But like, that's not on Felicity. She can date multiple people (laughs) and still date you. I just didn't, it really bothered me. I thought he didn't handle that well. (laughs) I I, I agree. I I don't, I mean, I, I, it's, it's weird. David's character is weird because he feels a lot older than he actually is. 
which is also part of it. Like, I wish that they actually made him like 27 or something like that, which is a little icky to be dating a first year college student. But, <laughs> but I still just felt like making him legitimately older and having some wounds would have sort of at least given me the feeling of, okay, this is earned, mm-hmm. but jamming all of this into a guy who's the same age as her, or maybe a year older than her just felt a little bit ridiculous to me. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, it's, it, I guess I was, the reason I was surprised that it wrapped up as quickly as it did was Felicity takes its time. Like as a show, mm-hmm. it tends to milk things as much as it can. So I was a little surprised that this, that this wrapped itself up, but I think that's indicative of the fact that they're, aiming to wrap up these arcs relatively quickly. Like they're David and Ruby are basically being shown the door. They don't know it yet, but their characters are being, you know, shuffled in that direction. Um, but uh, I do. So there's a couple other things that, that I loved within these storylines, Felicity sleeping in the lounge um, and witnessing Nolan Ruby kissing. <laughs> mm-hmm. was amazing. So good. Um, so good. Uh, really comedic for the yeah. show. Cause like, she never got a moment like that. Usually it wasn't a Felicity, but like just tucking her little head under the just blanket <laughs> and looking like <laughs> it's very, yeah. I love that. I loved, and I liked yeah. Ruby's response. I thought again, I don't know. Noel's deservedly so, but he was so hot and cold with her and you couldn't really get a read, but um, Noel was a little, I don't know in that moment, but it was so funny. It was really cute. I liked it. I, I love that moment too. And, and it highlights the fact that they don't, and I, I, this show and also the world at large needs to weaponize Carrie Russell's comedic abilities because mm-hmm. she is very funny. And I don't feel like people let her do that enough. I understand that she spent six seasons being a, a murderous spy. <laughs> so we're, we're all perhaps just thinking that she's, uh, that that's all she can do, but she's really, really funny. Um, mm-hmm. I really like the metatextual kind of component of Ruby's, uh, audition and how that folds into the show and her signing an NDA. Um, my feeling is that if the lead is Tom Cruise, that NDA is going to have a lot of things in it, not just the <laughs> casting. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but I appreciate that they did sort of, that they had some fun with that, um, yeah. which I think is, which is fun. Uh, I also think that it's, it's, you know, I've talked about this a little bit in previous episodes, but you know, that the show was willing to talk about birth control um, in 99. And and obviously it's a show with a female protagonist um, and, and, you know, a lot of female characters. But being sort of as progressive as it was at the time and 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 trying to sort of embrace that stuff, I think is important. Yeah. Um, and I imagine, you know, if I was a teenager, if I was a teenage girl or a college uh, student at the time, this would feel very sort of um, powerful. Yeah, as you're talking about that, I'm going back to your first question just about it, how mm-hmm. it, you know, informed me or how the show impacted me. And I do, I do think it was stuff like that. Yes, again, I was four-ish years younger, but this show was grounded in a realism that a lot of young adult shows at the time weren't. Like, yes, Buffy was, you know, definitely dealt with real issues, but it was within the realm of monsters and demons and hellmouths and yeah, Dawson's Creek was definitely real, but also again, for the for the reason that my mom wouldn't let me watch it, it was not so real. Like I didn't know anybody in my life who lived lives the way that those kids did. But it was yeah, it was that. It was talking about these things that actually mattered and issues that mattered and you've talked so much on the show about Julie's arc which Sure. A lot of a lot of thoughts on Julie in general, a lot of but on Julie, yeah. everything she doesn't she have dealt with. In this episode. Yeah. <laughs> she doesn't, but you know, it was it was important, and the show the show dealt with important yeah. stuff and in a real way. I, I agree. You know, it's it's 
it's interesting because it does feel like the shows that that tend to stand the test of time um, tend to be the shows that take bigger swings that that try to um, to say something. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it's your my so called lives. It's your Felicities, your freaks and geeks. Those shows that really try to sort of um, break out of this mold, which was so rock solid at that time. Right, there is no cable or streaming options at this point you know yeah. you're you are a broadcast show or you're not a show um so it, it it really was uh and continues to be really exciting to go backwards and watch these shows through that prism now i mean we, we did our freaks and geeks miniseries as well but you know it's 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 just really interesting because we live in a time now where there's a million options and you can go to a million things and to watch these shows try to find lanes or try to sort of you know trailblaze new roads um, while not shaking up, not freaking people out too much, I think is really is really exciting. Yeah, um, yeah. So, uh, so at this point, basically, oh, we also have the sort we have the Ben and Maggie stuff. Um, <laughs> your favorite storyline, I imagine. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, it, it's so okay. How did you feel about? Um, okay, so I can only assume. <laughs> I'm trying to unpack this in my head. As a 14-year-old Meg, you must have just wanted to kill Maggie. Like that Maggie was just the devil. Truly. Yes. How and do you by the way, I'm trying, now? I'm trying to remember back to that because I truly only remember <laughs> that I hated Terry Polo. Don't soundbite this and put it out there. I work in the industry now. I, I love Terry well. Polo. But in the moment watching, I only knew her as this woman sure. who was yeah. I even now I look back and I'm like, I I feel like Ben gets like such a bad rap, but she was so in control of this whole thing and really used it to her advantage. And we see that moving forward after this episode. And I, I get it, but I think, um, you know, I, it's a lot, it's a lot of words I'm trying to find because I didn't, (laughs) (laughs) I I'm trying to be me adult mature, knowledgeable, you know, traveled person that I am. But um, yeah, I didn't, I didn't love it. I understand it. I just think it feeds into the narrative on the show of Ben making bad decisions and making not the smartest life decisions. And I don't, I think in this, uh, Sean pretty much says like, be careful. And I, you know, I, I think Sean saw it for what it was even before we knew she was a married woman. And um, yeah, I just, I, I get it. It had helped him grow, but it wasn't my favorite. <laughs> didn't, didn't love her. <laughs> here's, here's my question too. Um, and I don't know how to, how to ask this question uh, delicately, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Uh, this is a significantly older woman mm-hmm. with a college student. Now yes. I look at this and say like, you like, go for it, Maggie. Like, good for you. Uh, locking down, you know, uh, a Ben Covington. Fantastic. Um, bravo. But yes. Bravo, right? <laughs> but then I also think to myself, like, <laughs> it's a little sketchy. Yeah. And uh, it's, you know, and she underlines it a fair amount with, like, school or, like, jokes about him being in school or all these sort of things. And obviously this is a, a transgression or she's stepping out on her marriage because her husband's also cheating on her. So she just feels like she's allowed to. And sure. Um, all of that actually makes the storyline like kind of edgy and kind of interesting in its, in its own way. Um, it's, you know, unfortunately at the time, and it seems like 
still to this day. It can be sort of just discarded as like, oh, it was this dalliance that Ben went on before he came back to Flintstein and, and you know, whatever. Yeah. And that's fine. Um, but Maggie's character is is interesting, even if she is fucking mean to him yes. a lot of the time. It's a much more interesting relationship and storyline than I remembered. I will give it that. I in rewatching now, I'm I'm invested to an extent. I it is also what we keep talking about, which is when it was a show you watched week to week, when it was linear television, it felt so much more drawn out. Like he was in this sure. thing for a long time. And I remember the emotions felt more when in, in rewatching a few in a row yesterday, it's I'm like, Oh, this is fast. And like, he seems very obsessed all of a sudden for, I don't understand why, like, what did, what is she doing that he's like so involved? But I think it's, it's what you're saying. He is so young and it's attention from this, older woman who is obviously very beautiful and seemingly very interested in him. Um, I do think though, there is something to the age thing that you're talking about. And I don't think, I never think they could have gotten away with it as a uh, younger female. If it was Felicity and like this older, it would have been weird. And, you know, it with the Elena stuff, right. With with McGrath in season one. And that that was not a great one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Look, it is what it is. It happened. And these are the things I can say about it. It happened. And uh, yeah, Ben, ben learned and grew. Yeah. Uh, she's, <laughs> but I, it is interesting how mean, like she's, it, it feels like it's all premeditated in the sense that she wants to sort of cut this off at the pass, although she keeps having sex with him. So she's kind of talking out of both sides of her mouth. But yeah. um, so, so there is a little bit of that, but she's, I feel bad for Ben in this storyline because mm-hmm. it's like he's he's you know he's falling for this woman it seems uh, for reasons that might not make sense to you or I because <laughs> she doesn't seem particularly nice to him but uh, he does seem drawn to her um, but she kind of cuts it off pretty harshly after they have sex again in this episode and he doesn't seem to get it and then you know the shoe drops when her assistant says that her husband's on the line from this tiny set this this set the kitchen set for her uh her store that literally looks like i mean it's amazing clearly there's nowhere else to go like they bought they built one room the assistant's just like off camera she comes in and says anyway so it's it is what it is but um but yeah so that's sort of that that storyline is kind of that which is that ben continues to fall harder for maggie and then she basically tells him that or he finds out that she has a husband um I'm trying to remember in my brain, and, and I'm I'm looking forward to continuing to watch. I don't know where it goes with Ben post Maggie in season two. I don't sure remember. Do, I'm sure they do something with him, but I'm I'm you know curious. You just hit the nail on the head, though, and I, if I can be completely objective Please. about this story and Please. Maggie, he is just he's such a glutton for punishment, and like she's very mean to him, but he's like so drawn in and continues to do that. And that's not completely dissimilar from Felicity with Ben. And I think that a lot of, Mm -hmm. I can only speak for my experience as a woman with men, but I think men are very much, at least at that age, like, yeah, they're, if they're that power player in the relationship and the one that has control over the situation, they're not as attracted to the Felicity type where she's, you know, is she too clingy or is she too interested? And I hate that whole thing, but, um, it's just reverse with Maggie and Ben and, and just imagine if Felicity was doing to Ben, what Ben is doing to Maggie, like continuing to go yeah. back for more and not respecting like, yeah. Hey, we got to cut this off. I mean, Maggie keeps giving in, but it is just kind of, 
reflective of, of him. And um, also Maggie operates like a wall street tycoon. Like her <laughs> energy is not like I own a bakery business or a baking company or whatever. She's, there's just a lot that never matched up. So Terry Polo was not for me in this role is <laughs> I know that's what you wanted to get to. And yes, that is accurate. Yeah, yeah, Terry Polo yeah. was not for me. Terry Polo just doesn't work for you. Yeah. I mean, listen, I, I completely get that. And I, I like Terry Polo too, just to be clear. I think, love. I think she's a great actor and love her in, in, in many things. Um, it, it does feel a little bit like, I mean, her introduction, the character's introduction of like demanding a million muffins from a Dean and DeLuca in a matter of like two hours is just it's it's all just crazy unrealistic. And then it, I also started realizing, is she passing off the Dean and DeLuca things as her own pastries? I, that's what I couldn't get to in this one, too, because I'm like, what did I miss? Am I misremembering from the episode where we meet her where she charges into the Dean and DeLuca? Like, did she have a an issue in her kitchen? And so she's just like, I own this business, but I need these. By the way, I have a funny, if I may, I have a funny please, Dean and please, DeLuca story. Yes. When I talk about how this show you know, shaped me. I wanted to go to school in New York. I wanted to go to college. I didn't. I ended up staying in Southern California. And it wasn't until I moved into publicity. So I was about 25, 26, Mm -hmm. um, that I went to New York for the first time ever in my life. And it was for upfronts because, um, the CW was a client of mine. And so we went for their presentation and my hotel and where the CW upfronts are, were connected to a little Dean and DeLuca on the bottom. And so I was like 26 years old and I did like a full, oh my God, this is a real place. I didn't know it was a real place until I have like, I mean, we're going on 10 years ago now, but I, I, I took a picture. I like made my coworkers go in and again, nobody I knew watched Felicity. So this was a real moment for me that I had to really spell it out for all my friends who went to New York all the time. Like you don't understand. This is real. That's and really funny. Yeah. You're not yeah. alone. I've had several guests that didn't know that Dean and DeLuca was real. I, I personally, I lived, I mean, as I'm sure you know, I lived in Toronto mm-hmm. until I was 25 years old. So uh, I just thought it was a made up store. I mean, I didn't know that it was a real thing. Uh, I can only imagine how much Dean and DeLuca paid to have that free advertising on Felicity all the time. Incredible. But, um, yeah, I can't even imagine. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's crazy. It's crazy. It's it's uh it's I don't know. There's something very special about this show. There's something very uh magical about it in its own way. You know, it even has supernatural components, Megan making people time travel. <laughs> um so but yeah. Um wait, but I this, don't... this episode basically at yeah, please go. Well wait, it wasn't ninety nine, but well, you probably can't with your, your podcast, but I would love to do the like Twilight Zone episode, the box episode. I just would love to get a, I think about it all the time and it's just so on with what you, you guys talked about supernatural stuff last week. And I thought, what a, what a wild show this was. And, you know, we all know the reason for like the back four or five episodes or whatever that was, but that that's the choice they made. And then the, the Twilight Zone episode thing, which is already like one of my favorite Twilight Zones. And it's just, um, it's incredible. Like what other shows could do that? I mean, it is, it's so special. 
I, I couldn't agree with you more. And and uh, I'm going to ask you on mic right now, will you come back for the Twilight Zone episode? Because I actually do want to do the Twilight Zone episode. Yes, um, I will. Yes, this is okay. so fun. Thank you. Yes. Because it, it, it definitely, um, it's it's right outside the 99. It's the second episode in, in the year 2000. But fuck it, I make the rules and I want to do <laughs> a bonus episode on, on the Twilight Zone episode because uh, I, like you, absolutely adore it. So I hope that you're okay coming back because it's be tremendous. Thank you. Um, and it's, of course, of course, uh, it, it's, it's, uh, and it, it does, it absolutely speaks to your point, which is that this show and, and we're, Joanna Robinson is coming on for our final episode to talk about like the remaining sort of the whole end of the show. And we'll talk about JJ Abrams, but I, I'm curious as a TV aficionado, you know, what are your thoughts on, you know, this was, this was obviously proto JJ, right? This is the first thing. And you can sense it with the Twilight Zone episode. You can sense it certainly with the time travel at the end that, that, <laughs> that he, you know, was willing to take those swings and to get outside sort of the, the preconceived notions of what these television shows would be. Um, and I respect the hell out of that. You know, I, I and, and I talk with Amanda. I ask her about the, the time travel component since she was the puppet master of that. Megan's character was. Um, and she loves it. And and and. I'm looking forward to watching it again through fresh eyes because I only saw it at the time. And at the time I was like, what are we doing? (laughs) Why are we doing this? Yeah. Um, It it, it felt weird at the time. And now as a TV writer looking at it, I'm like, that's actually a really clever way to do a, 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 you know, a sort of epilogue to your show. How did, how did you feel about the time travel stuff? I, I agree with you. And even, you know, I didn't have time to rewatch all of those, but I was going back and reading about them last night. And look, ultimately, for the most part, it, things still end up the way that those of us who wanted Ben and Felicity, you know, it, it ended up that way. Um, I think it was interesting. It's like they, it wasn't ultimately the, the first choice and we got that ending. I, I'm blanking on something else that has done this recently where I've, it is so like right top of mind, but I can't, something happened recently where I feel like, yeah, I just look at this as the end, but there were like a few more. I wish I could remember, but you it can. It sounds do- familiar to me too. I'm yeah. trying to I know what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. You can do that if that's your if that's your choice to like watch because yes, that was an end that they planned to. But then it is J.J. Abrams, and yes, you can in retrospect and and looking back, we can we can say that because we know what he does beyond this. But it's because he had the chance to do that that sure. we, you know we now have him and all of this. And I, I think it is something that Felicity is so different than anything else he did. While it does have these small things here and there that we're talking about it. I loved it back then, which means to me, I loved his work and I loved what he wanted to do. And and obviously Matt Reeves as well, but I just, I, everything he did beyond this perfect or imperfect, it it's very him. And it's yep. the same reason I loved Alias. And it's the same reason I've loved his movies. And I'm, I think it speaks to why television is such an important medium, even before it was appreciated as such. Um, you know, I know people are like, our film's going to become the new prestige TV again. Like, are we on that, you know, ebbs mm-hmm. and flows? And I think to me, I've just, I love movies. I love entertainment and pop culture. Like it's so deeply ingrained in me, but I, have always loved television. And I think that this is the reason why, like he had this, these four seasons to do this thing. And like the last four episodes to do an even crazier thing. And then within those first three seasons, he did this twilight zone random thing on a, a show about a girl in college, like finding her identity. Like that's unheard of, but they trusted him and he did it. And 
yeah, I just think he's, I'm so grateful for the show for that reason. Like we have him and I think it's why, I mean, you yourself, you're a TV creator and a writer. And I think it, it allows us to have these lengthy amounts of times, people that have really incredible stories to tell, whether you love a show or not, it's, at the end of the day, it's what we get to do with with the creation of television. And I think that J.J. Abrams and Felicity, is it's no exception. It's what we got out of it. I love it. I, 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 can, I couldn't agree with you more. I, I, you know, it, it's we've obviously had uh, I've had many discussions about J.J. on this show and on and on my uh, the, the movie side podcast as well. But, you know. It, it, it's interesting because I do feel like, and, and listen, there, I, I understand all of the people that get frustrated when something doesn't stick a landing that happens um, mm-hmm. when, when you invest perhaps years into a thing and it doesn't land the way that you want it to. Uh, that can be frustrating. I know that a lot of people had lost issues. I get it. Um, <laughs> um, love, love lost, but yes, love yeah. lost. So it's, it, it's just, it's, and, and I would also say too, you know, I don't imagine there's anything harder in terms of writing than ending a television show satisfyingly. Mm-hmm. Um, it is, it's, it's incredibly difficult. Um, the idea of, of a show that could, could do a hundred episodes of a thing and then somehow has to sort of find a, a, a conclusion that satisfies everybody is kind of impossible. It's why you're seeing shows end sooner. It's why you're seeing people that are just sort of like, this is the end and you need to move on with your life. But um, but JJ, as as a creator, changed television. Uh, he he fundamentally shifted the way that we viewed TV. Um, you know, the, the way that cliffhangers worked, the way that that popcorn television worked. Um, and you know, I I I hope that he can rekindle that. I mean, I I'm not the biggest Westworld fan. I don't really consider it a JJ show. If I'm being completely frank, yeah. Um, he has an HBO pilot. Hopefully, someday he'll write that and it'll get made. And I want to see a pure JJ show again. Yes. Um, that would be really exciting. And I hope that oh. I hope that we get that someday. Yeah. I would love that. I don't even think I realized he had that in the works, but yeah, I don't, I don't watch Westworld. Um, and uh, it's a choice. Little voice doesn't feel like him. <laughs> it's a no, choice. It's a choice. Uh, yeah. It's a choice. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's just interesting how, you know, he's, when you're as successful as he is, you're going to have haters. You're going to have people that 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 take issue with stuff, and I get that. Um, but I, I think that um, we'd all be better off looking at what he's given us and and the positive things that he's brought to television. Um, and there are disappointments. There will always be disappointments. But like Felicity is the beginning of that journey, and and it's really uh, it's really exciting and special for it. So yeah, well, I, agree. I thank you for for coming on. And thank you. I, I, can't wait for you to come back for the Twilight Zone. Truly, like when you said that, I was like, "Oh, thank God, there's someone that that, wa- that, that loves the Twilight Zone episode as much as I do," um, because I just I can't wait to talk about it. It's it's one of my favorite Felicity episodes for sure. I love it. I swear, my again, my husband saw a bit of Felicity for the first time ever. Me watching yesterday. Sure. By the way, he walked in the room and he's like, "Ooh, I like her hair." Completely unprompted. <laughs> so important that people know that. That's important. That's why he's yeah. your husband. <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, I, I think I talk about that because I love Twilight Zone in general. So I talk about it all the time. But that episode, I'm like, who can 
yeah. Anyway, yes, I will be it's back. A- I'm so excited. I cannot wait for you to come back. So thank you so much for coming on for this. So now we have my interview with uh, Amanda Foreman, who plays Megan on Felicity. Uh, and yeah, she's amazing. It's it's a great interview. She's so much fun to listen to and to talk with and to hear her stories about working on the show and uh, her character of Megan and all the sort of stuff she goes through and working with J.J. Abrams and all of that. So uh, stick around for that interview with Amanda Foreman. Uh, welcome to podcast like it's 1999. I'm your host Phil Liskov, and I am so thrilled to say that we have Amanda Foreman here, uh, who played Megan Rotundi on Felicity, to talk about her experiences on the show. And I mean, I'm just let, let's start back in '99. You know, uh, where were you in 1989? Were you living in LA at the time? Yes, I was living in LA. Um, I was actually um, the show started in '98, and that's when I started working on it. So. Um, yeah, I was living actually in a yeah. studio rent controlled apartment in West Hollywood. And the second year of the show, Robbie Benedict, who played uh, Richard, mm-hmm. I was like, I think, I think, because I'd been living there for so long because it was so cheap. It was $298 a month. Oh, I know. wow. So um, <laughs> wow. I said to my friend Robbie, I'm like, you know what? I think, I think I'm going to move. I think I'm going to get a one bedroom. <laughs> and he goes, why don't you buy a house? And I was like, a house? I don't even have a couch, which I didn't. So, um, so yeah, so I bought a house. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it was that's, great. It was amazing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, my listen. goal was like a one bedroom. I'm like, yeah, like in Los Angeles <laughs> or something. Fantastic. I, I, the, the, that moment, uh, if you're lucky enough to have that moment when, you know, you have a significant jump in income, when all of a sudden, you yeah. know, it, it's it's a very exciting and I found it a little nerve wracking as well. Like it, it just, it definitely feels like I didn't want to get over my skis, you know? And, and yeah, so it's, yeah. It's- I went looking the very first day that I went looking, I found the house that I bought and, um, Oh wow. And it was really crazy. Yeah. It was just crazy. I, I walked in and my, I was like, I love it. And my realtor was like, put a bid cause it's been on the market for two days and blah, blah, blah. So I bought it. Yeah. Wow. I just sold it. Yeah. <laughs> Thank God. I was so ready to be gone. But it was it's a really cute little house. It's cute. So how did Felicity come into your life? I'm assuming you auditioned and went through that whole process. No, I did not. Oh, I, I get you. the best jobs without auditioning. I don't audition well. I mean, when you say like you feel for actors, it's I mean, some people audition really well. Mm-hmm. I'm not one of them. Once in a while it's like, wow, it was amazing. And then you still don't necessarily get the job. Um I, it came into my life because I knew JJ and Matt from years before. I did Matt's student film, his thesis film at USC. Oh, wow. <laughs> I was in that. And um, JJ called me f- when they were doing the pilot and he was like, hey, do you want to like come in and do like a line? Um, and I'm like, sure. Yeah, of course. So I went in and did the line and I think the line was no. <laughs> and um, <laughs> and uh yeah, and then they just kept liking the character, so they just kept bringing it back, and then they made her a series regular. Me, a series regular. <laughs> so, I mean, it does. I, I, I do remember that Megan just has that one moment in the in the pilot when yeah. she walks into the into her room, her dorm room with Felicity, and is just disgusted with the fact that she has to live with this person. <laughs> right. And I, I, I mean, I, as I'm sure you know, you know, with pilots, 
you just never really know what's going to hit and what's not going to hit. So you just try to kind of give yourself as many options as possible moving forward. Um, on some level, I guess she could have just had a different roommate in episode two if they needed to. But yeah. by giving her a roommate, on some level, I think they had to know that you were going to be coming back. In some you way. what? I'm, so I'm going to turn you up. Okay. Um, they had to know that you were going to come back in some form or another. Like you were her roommate. <laughs> so yeah, no, I think that they, they had a plan of some kind. Yeah. They liked the idea that I think that Megan was so polar opposite of Felicity. And mm-hmm. I think that was necessary because she was so, she was so naive and, you know, so it was oh, nice yeah, to have yeah. a counterbalance. I totally, it's, I've, I've said this uh, as our listeners can attest to the ones that have listened to our episodes. I think I say you're my favorite character in every episode that Aww. we've done so far. <laughs> um, and I, 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 I'm not just saying that, but truthfully, I, I think that, um, you know, having been a writer in writer's rooms, characters like Megan are just a savior. They are a life raft when it comes to just being able to kind of take, take the, 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 not the wind out of your sails, but to just sort of take the piss out of it a little bit and to be able to kind of allow the writers a little bit of rope and flexibility to be able to make Felicity as earnest as she is. Right, right. there to take the edge off of that. Yeah. Um, it's so funny. Just, I, yeah. Please, please, yeah. No, I, I spoke to Larry um, mm. before because I was like, hey, because we were talking anyway. Yeah. And he said he had done the show and he was like, I – He's like, I look back on it. He said he'd watched a couple episodes. He's like, it's so sincere. Um, <laughs> it's so earnest. Yeah. And, um, but he was like, you know, I owe my whole, whole career to that show. And he really does. And he's such a great guy. But yeah, he's you're right. He's been lovely. I, I've, I've, we've had him on twice now. And, and he's just, he's the best. And, and um, the, the sort of the genuineness that he has is conveyed obviously in in the episodes that he does and and you can really feel you know it's it's interesting we we are we are so jaded now uh television <laughs> is so jaded that yeah. watching shows like this uh, are like this beautiful blanket that you could curl up with because <laughs> they we just you know they don't make shows like this really anymore yeah um so i guess that my question to you is sort of so as it's all kind of coming together um you you shoot the pilot, but you don't know if it's going to go to series. Obviously, so you're you're sort of in that limbo of wondering if it goes and not. Um, you know, when you shoot a pilot, it's like this: it's like going to summer camp, right? Where like you mm-hmm. all go do this thing and you meet all these people and you have this lovely yeah. time, but you just never know if you're going to get to go back again, right? Um, right. So, what was it like when you got to go back? Like, what was it like when you got to keep doing this this character and, and hang out with these people and and then ultimately become a series regular? Um, I remember the very first read through for the first episode or the second episode after the pilot. And um, I didn't know anybody, of course, I'd only worked with Carrie, but I walked in, it was my birthday <laughs> and I walked into the table read and there were balloons tied to a chair and a sign that said, happy Aww. birthday. Exactly. And I went, Oh, it's so nice. And I um, went to sit down. It was Scott Foley's uh, chair. <laughs> <laughs> he and I have the same birthday. And I was like, oh, oh, yes, of course. No, not my birthday. It's Molly's birthday. Of course it is. <laughs> and I sat next to, I think I'm 99% sure it was, um, God, what is her name? I'm such an asshole. Oh, um, my God. Uh, Z. Z is her last name. She works all the time. She's on that show about the reality show that was on Lifetime. Uh, yeah, I know that Unreal is the show you're Con- talking yes. about, right? Yes, yes, and her name is Constance Zimmer. Ah, so uh, yes, Constance Zimmer, yes, sure. Yes, 
So she sat next to me. I went and sat next to her and we were, you know, starting the read through. And I said, it's my birthday too. Cause they were singing happy birthday. And she was like, happy birthday. <laughs> <laughs> she, was, she was so nice. She had a scene or something. I don't know. That's She's really funny. Nice. Yeah. Those, those read throughs. Uh, so for people that don't know, um, some shows do this, not all shows do this, but yeah. they'll do table reads. Of, I think when it comes uh, to crunch time, they're like, fuck it. No read through. Let's just go. Let's just go. Yeah, we just got to go. We don't have the time. <laughs> yeah. and, and also, you know, when you're, when, um, again, when, and I'm telling you stuff you already know, but for our listeners, mm -hmm. you know, these episodes, will, will, they'll fold over each other, right? So, yeah. you know, to do a table read means to pull everybody off of set generally when they're shooting an episode. Right to come and read the next episode and it's just like it's it's helpful um as i'm sure it is for you guys to sort of know where it's going mm -hmm. um and it's helpful for the writers because the executives tend to be there and they, they yeah. give us more notes because we love notes. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um they're also a really uh what's the best way to put this they, they create a familial component to to the whole process mm -hmm. right? so you're all in a room together and there yeah. and there is a nice element of that. Did you feel as though table reads helped create that sort of camaraderie in any way? Or do you think that it was just sort of like, oh, fuck, I got to go do this thing now for 40 minutes. And then, uh, you know, um, not for me. I mean, I love, I just love it all. I love to work and I, sure. it's never, a, it was, didn't feel like a chore. Um, there's a weird thing with table reads as an actor where you're like, how far do I go at the read through? Like if, I mean, I didn't have any scenes like this on Felicity, but if you have to cry on this, on the day, are you going to cry in the read through? <laughs> um, and over Sally, um, oh God, Sally Kirk, Kirkland, Sally Kirkland, Kirkland. Yeah. She came in to do uh, like a three episode uh, thing. And she went so far in the table read. we were like, wow. Like she was like full on, like brought props <laughs> And I was like, my dad, I've been doing this wrong. I've been doing this wrong. Like there's that weird fine line. Like you want to yeah. like commit, but you don't want to overcommit. <laughs> but yeah. like good for her. She like gave it her all. And that's why she still works, you know, as an actress. I'll and say that I've, I have found with table reads that more times than not, the actors go the opposite direction, which is they give you as little as is possible because they don't want to sort of not. And this isn't out of laziness. I think it's because on the day they want to impress as opposed to, at the table read, right? Because like, if you're a series regular, you, you've got a steady gig, right? So you don't need to yeah. worry about impressing them at the table read. Um, so it, it is interesting that that that, that happens. Um, <laughs> so were there were there other characters or movies or anything that sort of inspired your Megan Rotundi? There was a, a girl that I knew um, who <laughs> she was. <laughs> I dated this guy um, way before. No, like maybe three years before I was on Felicity, and his name was Mike. He's now a woman. That's not a story. Okay, that's a, yes. That's a, his name yeah, is Mace. Her name is Macy Jane. His name was Mike mm -hmm. when I dated him, and he was a bassist in a band called Beast. And um, the lead singer was this girl named Jen, and um, she was a bartender at Cat and the Fiddle, and mm -hmm. she was like the coolest. She was really she was just deadpan all the time, but very nice but she was like she intimidated the shit out of you like you would meet her and you'd be like hey, you're not even smiling she never she'd make a joke but like not smile and that sort of was i thought i want to be like that she was so um kind of that i thought about her when i started doing that um it's it's really funny i i've, I've mentioned this on we did a, another mini series on this podcast on freaks and geeks 
Mm, I love that show. Which is the best. And, you know, that show was always about sort of um, finding yourself, figuring out what kind of identity you wanted to be, because they they were Mm -hmm. younger than obviously the kids on uh, on Felicity. Um, And and there was a a particular episode where... um, James Franco becomes a punk rocker and starts like gets a mohawk and does all sorts of crazy shit. Mm-hmm. And I just, and, and Megan has a similar thing to me, which is I wish I could have had the confidence of a Megan, you know, of someone <laughs> that too. was just like gave zero fucks <laughs> and was just like, yeah, this is this, like, I'm going to let my freak flag fly and I don't care about what anybody thinks. Um, and I just, I always had such an affinity for not just those characters on television, but those people in real life. Like whenever I was around them in high school, I was like, I wish I could be a goth. I mean, I wish I had the, the confidence that goes with it. Like, yeah, it's, it's true. Just, like the definition of cool is like not giving a shit what anyone thinks. Totally. Yeah. And, and Megan does feel a little bit and this, I don't mean this to sound derogatory, but she's a bit of a kitchen sink character, right? In the sense that mm-hmm. like they threw kind of all kinds of stuff at her, mm-hmm. like, her, her style is, I don't know. It's whatever they, it's just, it's amazing. Cause it's yeah. just all over the place. Like, I don't know what the barcode tattoo means, but I love it. Like, I don't know what any of it really means. Yeah. I was thinking Mountain Dew. Like if you scan it, it scans Mountain Dew. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they never said. <laughs> it's, it's just fantastic. So um, I want to talk about uh, Megan's box for a second, because yes. it feels like it's, it's a, uh, uh, to me. Uh, and again, I say this with absolutely nothing but love it is the most jj abrams thing ever you think because you think? he doesn't tell us what it is because he didn't we'll know. never know it's in it he doesn't no. know no um and you know i'm sure you saw his ted talk about the mystery box so on yeah. some level this is that personified i mean it is truly put that in his show 100 um, which is uh which is great and fun and i love it and i love how freaked out her parents are yeah um, and and you know the 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 line that always stays with me is the um, when he when your dad your, Megan's father confronts Felicity and says, uh, I, "You know we're horrified by what's in this box. She says, I'll throw it away." And he says, "I don't see how you can," which yeah. I don't know what that means, and none yeah. of us do, and that's great. Um, I had an idea for what it could have been. Oh yeah, did you need, did you have? I guess my question to you was: as a character, did you have an answer for yourself? No. Oh, okay. Okay. I did not. I just said the words. <laughs> why, why would I do any kind of research? Come on. I mean, what Listen. do you think I am? Um, I, I just know I did think about it subsequently because I thought they would ever tell me. They never told me. Mm-hmm. So um, what I think could have, it could have been, of course, um, I asked JJ. He's like, I don't know. I don't fucking know. How would I know? He literally <laughs> says that. This is my cat. Um, I think Lovely. it could have been like a confession to a murder. Amazing. Amazing. Sure. Sure. That's or, I mean, I, or like I a tooth it. or something. I don't know. <laughs> a finger. Yeah, I mean, body parts <laughs> definitely come to mind. Um, there is uh, there is an episode that we're going to cover sort of as a bonus because it's it doesn't act. It didn't air in 99 or 2000, but it was the Twilight Zone episode. Oh, I love um, that. Yeah. Which is just a tremendous episode, which I really, really love. Yeah. Um, and the, the twist at the end of the episode, uh, I mean, spoiler for those who haven't seen it, but is that the entire episode is, takes place inside, inside Megan's toolbox. Yes. Um, which to me is sort of the perfect answer yeah. to it. You know, it's, it's, it, it, it allows everybody to be like, it is whatever the fuck you want it to be. Yeah. But what was it like doing that episode since it was such a departure from obviously the style of the show generally? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I wasn't in it much, um, but I'm sorry, I'm trying to fix my microphone. Um, no worries. It was, 
really cool. I mean, the director was a legitimate. Um, Twilight Zone. He was very, very old. Um, his name's <laughs> like very old. Um, and good for him. Um, his name, I, I don't know if he's still alive. His name is or was Lamont Johnson. And he directed Twilight Zone episodes for real. So it um, was really cool Lamont, to yeah. be able to work Lamont with him. Johnson. Lamont yeah. Johnson. He worked very, he walked very slowly. Um, but he was <laughs> really cool. And um, it looked great. I only had like, I think just maybe one scene. I don't even know if I'm in the first half. I think I'm only in the second half. And that's just, yeah, when I, I think you're only, yeah, you're the twist at the end. I'm yeah. the twist at the end, which, but I love that episode because they all talk, they all, they only know exactly what's been in the show. And I thought Carrie did such a great job at behaving and speaking in that, like totally getting that dialogue and understanding how to say it. So it still is believable. Um, I thought Foley did a great job too. And they're like, they only, the characters only know what's been written in the show which I thought was so clever. I thought the whole thing was so clever. I was really proud of the it's, writers. It's a and, really, really special thing. And yeah. it's funny because, you know, JJ's obviously made a lot of television. Yes. Um, and the only show that kind of uh, did a little bit of this was Fringe. But for the most part, mm-hmm. his shows didn't really do these one-offs. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, and and I don't know if it was a symptom of the fact that um, a lot has been written about how season two was really sort of uh, they're trying to blow up the show. <laughs> and I don't mean that in a, in a bad way. I mean, in the sense of shaking it up, right. They threw a lot of grenades in terms of story, in terms of obviously Carrie cutting her hair, breaking up with Ben, like really sort of trying to mm-hmm. throw the show into some new and exciting directions. Mm-hmm. And this just felt like another way of another extension of that. Um, but it is a really, it's a beautifully shot episode. It's really gorgeous to look at yeah. and it's, it's, it's really special. Um, and I do love that Megan is the puppet master, which brings me to my second question, which is I'm beginning to think Megan is actually the puppet master of this entire television show. I think she, right. I mean, well, her, her witchcraft obviously comes into play. Um, yeah, in, it does. The, end season, cool. the end of season one, it's great where she, I mean, with the cloves, is there something with cloves or something? And yes, they fall on her she, head. She, the cloves, she tears up the photo of the four oh, of them right, and right. puts it in like a thing and does a whole spell. And the spell, if you want to believe this or not, and some fans do, is that sets everything in motion. I mean, it literally... So she tapes it back wrong, correct? correct. She tapes it yeah. back so that she's next to Ben or something like that? Correct. I haven't seen that episode in forever, yeah, but yeah. I remember that. It's cool. I remember it very well. There you go. But yeah, that's that's and, and that episode is called The Force, which mm-hmm. ironically was released the week of episode one and is all about Star Wars. And then... Oh, my God. That's Here we funny. are with JJ doing Star Wars. So you might have actually been the reason that Megan might have actually, you know... I think so. <laughs> been I think the person that brought JJ and Star Wars that. together, obviously. Yeah. No <laughs> um, but, it, but I think that... Um, I guess my question to you is, this show dips its toe into the supernatural through Megan's character um, mm-hmm. in a very light way for the majority of the show. And then at the end, it goes all in. Yeah. Um, what are your thoughts about Megan creating time travel on Felicity? <laughs> well, <laughs> I personally loved those episodes. They were so much. I loved, I loved the whole idea. The reason they did that, you know, this is because the show had ended. 
Yes. And they were like, okay, you're done. And then like, no, 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 actually you're not done. You got to do, I think five more. There are yeah, five, four, five, five more. And so the writers were like, well, shit, we ended it. So now what? Oh, she's living in an apartment and like getting a job. Like we're not going to do that. So I thought it was a really clever way of sort of just playing out what would have happened had Felicity gone with Noel. And as it turned out, the same thing. She would have wound up with Ben anyway. And I thought that was really Amazing. sweet and clever. And like, I, I liked it. I really loved doing it. It was so much fun to do with Carrie and um, when she was just acting insane. And <laughs> um, I loved it. I really, I personally liked it. I know a lot of people didn't, but I thought it was a really fun way of fixing that problem. The writers. It's, I, 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 in hindsight, I absolutely agree with you. And watching it through the lens now as, as a writer, mm-hmm. I look at it and say, if someone hands me four or five more episodes and I have ended my television show, you don't want to, like, now you have to tell a story over the course of four or five episodes, right? right. And you don't want to, like, dive into waters that are not just uh, unsatisfying, but also open too many doors. So you're, I mean, it really is a tough position to be put in. I mean, champagne problems, but a tough position. (laughs) Right. Um, And, and I sort of, it's interesting watching it now and thinking that like, it's funny to watch it now. I appreciate that it's the sliding doors component of like what could have been or what might have not. Right. Right. At the time, not knowing that the show had, ended and then been given the you're watching and you're just like what the fuck is going on like it just feels absolutely insane yeah so but um did you this this comes back to sort of it feels like the writers obviously gave megan a lot of comedic scenes but they also Mm -hmm. gave her ways to deepen her in series obviously pairing her up with sean and giving her a lot more substance um Mm -hmm. it's a lot to juggle Mm -hmm. how did you handle those swings i say the words Go to work, say the words. I mean, it wasn't that. It wasn't like, they did at one point say they wanted me to have a baby. And I was like, please don't. I know. I was like, please don't. It's just, that's such a saddle. I don't know. I felt like the, (laughs) in life also. You don't have children? I do not. (laughs) Um, No, I mean, children are great. I just felt that for the character, I was like, then she's like, I mean, I'm actually like in retrospect could have been kind of fun. Um, but if babies become such an anchor for characters and then it's like, you, they do stuff and you're like, where's the kid? And it's like, well, you just forget about the kid. It's like tiger, the dog and the Brady bunch, you know, <laughs> what happened to tiger? We had a dog. Um, it's kind of like that. And they also wanted me to join a band or be in a band. And I was like, no, don't please God don't. Um, but I mean, it was not, they're such good writers. Did you ever have Josh Reams on here? Or do you know Josh? I, I don't know Josh. I'd love to have Josh on here. He's not been on here yet. Yeah. I'll t- I mean, I talked to him. I emailed with him sometimes and I saw him I, I Star Wars premiere. He's so great. And he wrote, he and Jennifer Levin. Do you know Jennifer mm-hmm. Levin? I don't know. They, oh, <laughs> she's great. They wrote the uh, majority of my stuff. So it was, and they're just such, they're so funny and so great. And Josh, I haven't talked to Jennifer in a few years, but um, I'll tell Josh to come on if you want. He's I would love that. I would, I would absolutely love that. Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 a. I think that, and I've said this before, so forgive the listeners if I'm repeating myself, but I do think that the show juggles a lot of things incredibly well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's why the show is so special. I think that it tries to be funny and it tries to be genuine and it tries to do a lot of things that shows at that time 
weren't really trying to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I would argue some shows today aren't even really doing, quite honestly. They try, um, but I feel like it comes off really mawkish sometimes. I mean, some shows that does. are on now, it's just, I don't know if Felicity does. does, doesn't to me, but it, I, yeah, uh, it's hard I think to it's do. The, it's very, very hard to do. I think Jason Kadem successfully does it. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that there, there, are, you know, there are a couple writers that, that strive for it. Um, mm-hmm. but it, but to your point, it does feel a little treacly at times and that people just kind of lose their way, um, mm-hmm. in the hopes of quite frankly, making people cry, which is fair. I mean, that's, that's a noble, mm-hmm. uh, a noble cause, I guess, as a, <laughs> as a writer. Um, so your character similar to Sean and, and I had Greg on here, um, a few weeks ago. So I love so Greg. Greg's the best. Um, <laughs> I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed that interview. Um, he, so Sh- Sean and Megan sort of our agents of chaos for the show. Mm-hmm. You know, they really are kind of the podsters, um, <laughs> which I think that it, it's uh, maybe ironic that the two characters get together at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, but did you enjoy the fact that your character is fucking with people all the time? I mean, I'm assuming that you yeah. also got a lot of joy in the back. <laughs> of course. It's the best. It is. It is, uh, it is great. Um, there is a, a a line that I mean, Megan has a lot of lines that I love. But in the premiere of season two, we, we had um, uh, Rena Mamoon came on to talk about that episode, mm-hmm. um, and Lawrence uh, obviously came on too. But um, <laughs> when Megan and Felicity are giving their first meeting as RAs, oh yeah, and one of the uh, students, new students, asks <laughs> uh, where they can get prescriptions, and Megan's like, "What's wrong with you?" <laughs> <laughs> right out in front. It's, it's, she's just, there's just no filter, which I imagine just had to be a lot of fun to perform. Yeah, yeah. I forgot about that. That's funny. Yeah. It was, um, of course, it's fun. Did you have a favorite episode or a favorite storyline or any stuff that really spoke to you? Not to put you on the spot. I, put you on the spot. I mean, I really did like the last, the ones that everyone hated. I love that shit. Um, I'm trying to think a favorite storyline. I mean, I loved, I liked all of it. I, the, the thing about Megan was I feel like the character was there. She wasn't, she didn't have like major storylines. It was always like a B, C, D storyline. Mm-hmm. So um, I was happy to be there. And I just liked, you know, it was all good. I'm trying to think, like, I didn't really like this too sincere stuff when she would get all like sad and. Oh, I can't think. Oh, I like the one where Felicity gets drunk and winds up with a guy. I had a broken wrist for real in that one. And we were playing ping pong and I had my broken wrist because I fell on set. Um, I don't know. I can't think of a storyline. I like no, 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 it. It's really fair. I, so the, the, the episode that this is, uh, that this interview is going to be paired with is, is the love bug, which is the one where Megan gets mono. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Like yeah. A, 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 a mono outbreak, if you will, that happens at, <laughs> yeah. at the dorm um, because of this kid, Carl, who doesn't look like a Carl at all. <laughs> is Carl, is he blonde? No, I want spiky hair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't I wind up in bed with him or something? Yeah, you have sex with him while having mono. (laughs) And he's. Or does he he have. We had sex, and your line is, oh, is that what that was? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God, I can watch that. It's funny. Um, yeah, you're, you're like having it there. They go really far with the mono stuff. They make it seem like you're having some sort of an exorcism. You're just covered in sweat and you're saying all sorts of nonsense, but, um, it's, it's still a great episode and it does, it does feel like Megan gets more and more of a showcase as the show gets deeper and deeper. Yeah. Um, which is, uh, which is obviously fantastic. Um, 
did they give you any sense of, I mean, I guess they mentioned that they wanted to do a pregnancy, they wanted to do a band, but did they approach you when they said that you were going to start dating Sean? Was this stuff that you no. were aware of? Oh, no, wow. but okay. Greg and I have been friends forever. So it was, it seemed natural and fun. fun. Sure. And I think, and I think as the seasons went on, I, they, they just really wanted to find ways to have all the characters be, be together. Mm-hmm. Um, it gets difficult to try to intertwine, you know, they've got, of course, Carrie and Ben or Ben and Noel and what's her name? Felicity. (laughs) I mean, they're an obvious trio, but it's, you know, to try to connect the other characters. Sorry. So they're all in one room. And so they're all in one storyline is it tastes tricky. And I think that was a good way to do it. I couldn't agree with you more. We, we, um, I spoke with, uh, Amy Joe a few Mm -hmm. weeks ago about Julie and, Mm -hmm. I think one of the problems that that character had ultimately, and I would say that this is the case ultimately with, with any ensemble to, to, to sort of piggyback on your point is the show is called Felicity. So mm-hmm. Felicity is not in a scene or directly connected to what's going on. Yeah. It feels like a satellite to a different, like meanwhile in a different television show. So yeah. it just, it has to sort of always connect back to her. And to your point that gets harder and harder to do as these characters start to have lives that grow outside. Yeah. Of sort of I mean, that's why they all lived in the loft. You know what I mean? That yeah, that was yeah. a big, I think, a big reason they all lived with Sean. And so mm-hmm. Sean was a part of it. So if I'm part of Sean, then I'm part of Ben and I'm part in that, you know, yeah, and it yeah. sort of worked that way. And with Amy Joe, yeah, it was tricky because um, they really gave her a bummer storyline. I mean, really, right off the bat, and it really wasn't fair. And um, she's such a good actress that she did it so well. But it's like, how do you move past it? You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's like it's, one shitty thing after another happens to this poor girl. So... It's very true. Um, That being said, to play devil's advocate, I will say that I appreciated the fact that they handled some of the stuff that they did with her character. I think that, you know, this was one of the first shows to probably really deal with date rape in any real way, um, you know, ahead of its time in that regard. Uh, But to your point, those are going to leave lasting scars on a character and they're going to create sort of a a shadow, if you will, that's going to be hard to shake. So, yeah, I mean, for the for the show, it was great, but for Amy Joe, I think it was yeah. hard and hard for the writers to to just like, oh, and now she's happy. It's like, no, that's not real. And yeah, plus her mom. Remember, she finds out she's yeah. adopted. I mean, there's just so much that 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 character had to go through. Yeah. yeah, it was it's tough, but it was but it made for good TV. And yeah, oh no, absolutely, the business we're in, so that's ultimately all that matters. <laughs> but uh, so you were also on Alias around the same time mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. Um, what was that like in terms of the? Was there a, a, a whiplash component of going from Felicity to to a spy show? No, it was. I mean, I, I wasn't in very many episodes. I think I only did six. Right. I think, it was um, eight, but yeah, was it eight? Um, <laughs> uh, no, I mean, everything I did was with Marshall, right? With Kevin. Right. Yeah. yeah um, yeah. and I was very, you know, sort of, I didn't always watch that show when I wasn't on it. So, um, and even though I love it. <laughs> um, it's not, it's not really necessarily something I, it's a spy show and all that. So I'm more not, it's not as much, here comes my cat. Um, so, but so yeah, I, it didn't seem like whiplash. It was really, really fun. It wasn't, it was just really fun. I just like to work, you know, it's fun. Working with Kevin was great. Kevin's really I hear fun. that. Yeah. Sure. 
Um, so I have one last question before yes. I let you go, which is yes. not about Felicity, but uh, I would be remiss if I didn't ask about, you were on my favorite show of all time. Uh, you were on Six Feet Under. Uh, mine too. Uh-oh. I came just under the wire. It was almost canceled. It was almost done. Well, yeah. No, it was literally, no, it was the, no, it was the last season. I think it was. We could we could go around and around on this if you'd like, but I promise you that it was in the third season of the show. Really, it was in a, an episode called "Tears, Bones, and Desire." I know, I remember. I were I was one of the sister wives, and um, I loved it. It was two thousand two. So when did the show go off the air? Five. Or two? Yeah. Oh, really? God, I'm such an idiot. You were in my favorite season, though, and and one of my favorite episodes, quite honestly, too. Okay. Um, but yeah, so I mean, I, I got to ask, you know, what was it like being on that show? And 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 amazing. Know. And I've worked with Peter Krause twice since then. Okay. So weird. I he was on. I worked with him on Parenthood, and then I worked with him on The Catch, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> a very really short-lived Shonda Rhimes show. Um, he uh, that was great. I loved that show so much that it, maybe it maybe it just was my last chance to audition for it. I, like it was, I like finally. I didn't got mean to audition. call you out. I feel no, no, I feel no, bad no. Having said that, oh my god, I don't care. I, I'm wrong. <laughs> I'm fine with that. <laughs> First, maybe it was just in my mind. It was my last opportunity. <laughs> um, it was so much fun, and the women that played the other sister wives and I became friends. It was like, it was such a great experience. And you know, who was so nice was rain Wilson, Mm -hmm. who was not a big star and he would wear it. Everyone had to wear name tags, which I really appreciated because it's difficult. Yeah. It was really sweet. And, um, rain Wilson's name tag said rain Wilson, uh, permanent guest star or something like that, like something funny. And he invited me to eat lunch with him which was just kind because, you know, I mean, I could eat in my trailer, but it was, he was just really sweet and it was a really great experience. I loved it. Everybody was so nice. Michael C. Hall, super nice. It was great. It's a, uh, yeah. I mean, I've, I've heard nothing but lovely things about that show, not just on a production <clears throat> level, but in terms of the writer's room and in terms of just sort of the way that, that mm-hmm. Alan Ball ran the show and, and, and all that. But uh, yeah, it's just, uh, it, it's, it's one of those shows that, that, made me want to be a writer so i had to ask yeah. what it was like to, to do it so it's so well, good I, I really really appreciate you being here and, and talking about, and talking about megan and talking about felicity and and your and getting to meet your cat usually you know, so <laughs> um but uh but really thank you so so much and uh and you know i um i hope that it was fun for you to kind of go down uh, memory lane a little bit with the show. oh it was so much fun Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. 
Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.